Welcome back to Uncorked, another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. This is a special episode, as they all are, yet every Tuesday I need to declare these to be special episodes. This is a client who we'd consider a friend, who we look to in awe, really and truly. Wes Felix has co-founded the new company in the last few years with his sister, Alison Felix. For the Canadians, you know her as America's most highly decorated track and field athlete. And I think for Americans, you know her as a true hero in your country. The kicker in the conversation with Wes is that we get behind the scenes of what it's like to be the champion of change for someone you love so dearly, like a sister, and to also realize what his own visions and dreams for his life are. He was an accomplished professional runner himself. Gosh, my heart. So this conversation was evoked when we had our first call about supporting Sage from an executive recruitment perspective. I just wanted to hit record right away. I was like, wait a minute, you're a leader who does what? You're a leader who sees the world how? You're up to what kind of change? I want on this bus. So here we are, Wes Felix. Without further ado, I am so grateful that he joined us. I'm so grateful for his wisdom. And I know that you will get so many juicy nuggets from this conversation. Enjoy. Wes, welcome to the pod. This one feels like it's been a long time coming and I am really beyond honored that I could get time on your calendar to have this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. It has been a long time coming and I think I'm the one that's really honored and I'm super excited for how this conversation is going to impact me and change Mm. me. So thank you for having me. Yes. Good golly. Well, I want to kick it off. One of my favorite questions is, would you be so kind to introduce yourself with your words on your terms? Who are you, Wes Felix? Yeah, my name is Wes. I am just a kid from LA's Crenshaw district who gets to like stand alongside of his sister and try to change and impact the world. I used to be a track and field athlete. So ran track for most of my life, went to college running track and I went to USC and then was able to become a professional athlete. That wasn't like my big dream or plan. I thought I was going to go to law school, but there was this opportunity. So I went and did that and also never had a big dream of starting something, starting a business or anything like that. But as soon as I stopped running, I started a sports agency did that for the last 12 years or so. And then a couple of years ago, got to become like a true entrepreneur and CEO, which again was never the plan. So I think in a way, I'm just kind of an insecure searcher who is finding their way and feel really grateful that along the way, I've gotten to have really incredible experiences, do some really cool things, be around really cool people and learn at the ripe age of almost 40 that my voice actually has power. I might be actually worth something in this world and able to do something cool and make change, but I'm still just that 
kid from LA who's trying to figure it out? Gosh, I have equal amounts of goosebumps and tears because there is a lot to that. And there is a lot to the moments that have brought you to almost 40. And I just want to give you a language upgrade that you are so a somebody with a voice that we all so need to hear. And I am so glad you didn't have it figured out. And frankly, I'm so glad you chose not to go to law school. Thank goodness for those shoes on your feet that kept you running because it is really, really special to see a man in the world with the heart of leadership like you have. And one of the most special conversations that I had with you was very early on and you shared about your professional coach, mm-hmm. the relationship you had with your executive coach. And I'm wondering if you can relate that back to an athletic coach. And when you got into the world of business, is that when you chose to start working with the coach or how did that parlay? And I ask because I know you speak so much about the team around you impacting who you've become. Yeah, no, that's such a cool question. I love that. I think like with sports, coaches have had such a special place in my life. They had this place of authority in my life. They had this place of kind of like helper and, you know, person who wanted to make you better at something. But also I was raised in a pretty structured environment. And so coaches provided the opportunity to listen, follow instructions, and then receive kind of a quick reward for being obedient. So it was something that I knew how to do. And then it would also like gave a really clear path where you could tuck in and say, I'm trying to achieve X. The coach would then say like, okay, if you want to achieve X, then it's going to take Y, Z, A, B, C, all the rest of them. And if you do it, then on the other end, you'll achieve the goal. And so coaching felt always really familiar to me. When I started Sage, I knew it was important to have an executive coach. I knew that I didn't know how to be the CEO of a venture-backed company. That wasn't something that I'd done before. I didn't know if I had like transferable skills from the agency that I had started. And so I knew that I needed that and I was really excited for it. And what I couldn't have imagined that my coach is named Tom Frank. And, you know, I couldn't have imagined that I would have found such a great coach, but the things that we get to talk about, I actually spoke with him earlier today and he like settled me down and I have like pages of notes next to me from him. But the thing that I just adore and value the most is someone who I bring into my process, bring into my world, who can honestly call me out on hard things and tell me where I need to be better. And it's up to me how I want to respond to that. And if I do really want to be great, which I do, then I need to hear those hard things and try to find a way to change and shift my approach and be able to actually do some of the hard things that I'm trying to accomplish. I adore Tom, but just that idea of coaching, I think is something that you don't need an executive coach for. It's the people in your life who care about you, who you have a relationship with, who are safe, who are trying to help you become better. You can lean into those people and I definitely like see the value in it in my own life. Mm, Magic. Well, I want to commend that. I think it takes a certain person to be open to having those kinds of relationships. And I think for the many reasons that athletes are beautiful humans is they learn very quickly how to be coached, how to work with a coach. And I think it's 
a beautiful translated skill later into life. You also spoke in the name of relationships about what it means to be building this with someone who is so special to you, and that is your sister. And I'm first of all curious if you've always been this close with Allison. We, yeah, I think we have always been really close. And it's funny because we don't recognize how unique our relationship is. I think as we get older, we see it more and more just from people's reactions. And normally it's like, I could never work with my sibling. And, you know, and we kind of look at it and we're like, huh, it hasn't really been that hard at all. But I think I always tell people that, you know, Allison is so, she's so humble and focused and disciplined and dedicated and gracious that it makes it really, really easy to work with a sibling, especially when we both had similar aspirations. You know, we were both athletes, both professional athletes, like her career far, far more successful than mine. And I think then, you know, when I started the agency and started working with her in a lot of ways, like my life, my own personal goals kind of took a back seat to what she was trying to accomplish. And, you know, when my job was, how do I facilitate her achieving her goals and make sure that that's what we're both focused on. And that's been the case kind of for my whole professional career has always been about her. And then as I started representing other athletes, it was still because I was representing her that I wanted to be in that space. And so now that she's retired, I think it's the first time that I get to step outside of this kind of track world and say, huh, what would I actually want to do if it wasn't about Allison. And so it's really exciting, but it's new. And I'm kind of excited for part two to get to go and really explore who do I want to be as a person and what do I want to put in this world, not just what's Allison's goal and how do I help her achieve that. And Seisha's just kind of been like a perfect place for that because I can't imagine something more beautiful to lend my time to building. Mm beautiful, which you are still building together. And how beautiful is that? It's not done. We don't hear of these relationships often. Sometimes you hear of the dynamic more so with spouses or partners. Mm -hmm. And even still, that is very rare. Allison has had a beautiful career, had a highly decorated, gorgeous career. And I want to know what that meant for you being, dare I say, like the captain of Team Allison. It was something at the beginning that I think just like her and her journey, I didn't know what we were doing. I thought we were just going after medals and even medals. Like I didn't really know what that meant. You know, I think especially in the Olympic world, it doesn't end in private jets. Like, you know that, but maybe it ends in like a nice car and a like kind of big house, but you don't quite know. You're just like pursuing this thing. And there's this kind of, machine around you in the Olympics. Like everybody knows about it. It's this big, massive thing that's celebrated. And I didn't know what we were doing. I knew we needed gold medals. That was the goal. And so we figured out how to do it. And then I think along the way it was, okay, but like with gold medals, shouldn't something else come? Like, shouldn't your business be stronger? Shouldn't you have more endorsements? Shouldn't your income increase? Like, And as I started like seeing that, I was like, okay, well, yeah, like, how do we make sure that we do that too? And then it was, okay, well, we've got like the track part down and we're starting to get sponsors and endorsements. And, but what are we doing in the philanthropic nonprofit space? Like, 
that's missing. All right, well, let's add that in. And what's our strategy and our approach there? And, and then slowly just started building out, you know, this business centered around her, this brand centered around her. And, and then we got to a point in her career where the whole thing felt like it was kind of coming to this grinding halt when Nike wanted to pay her 70% less than what she was previously getting paid. And it was in that time that it was a two-year period where we were in this fight with them. And that's when I really realized, oh, okay, here's what we're actually doing. And the actual thing is, how do you create change and how do you create impact in people's lives? So if you're going to be an Olympian and you're going to win medals, that's great. But it should only be great because you get to inspire and impact people and you get to give them hope. And if you're doing it because that metal, that literal piece of metal, which this is crazy, like that gold metal, I think is valued at $800 because it's obviously not solid gold. It's like gold plated. And when you come back home from the U.S. or from uh, wherever you are competing, you get taxed on that gold medal for the value of $800 and you're supposed to report it. And, you know, if that's what you're doing it for, that's pretty sad. <laughs> There's gotta be more there. And I think that for Allison, you know, she didn't set out to do it to represent her country well. That wasn't like, she wasn't this kid that was like, I just wanna make it to the Olympics so that I can represent my country. But I think it was all the things that she didn't set out to do the things that together we didn't set out to do that we're most proud of. And mm -hmm. it's representing the country, being a representation that says like with all the craziness of politics and all of the things in the U.S., there's people there who are caring and loving and who sacrifice and step up to represent their country well, and then inspiring like younger people, but then ultimately using your voice to create change. And some of the change that her and I were able to create around shifting what maternity leave looks like in sport. And we were able to introduce childcare to track and field competitions. And we, you know, we're working really hard to take that more places and then ultimately building a footwear brand that mm -hmm. is specifically for women, you know? And so along the way, we kind of landed in this place that was like, oh, how did we get here? We had no idea that this is what we were doing. And, you know, and still like, there's a ton of mornings every day that I wake up and think this is all about to like crash and go away tomorrow, right? Like this fear of impending doom. But yeah, I would say that, you know, to wrap it all up, sum it all up, that it's been an incredible journey that I didn't know where we were going. And I don't know if we're there yet. And if this is just where we like hang out, or if this is just a place you stop, or if we're still like in the middle of the like climb up the mountain, but either way, I'm learning to appreciate that burning feeling in my legs and lungs. And also when I get tired, stop and look around and say like, the view is really cool. And wow, look at that person. They're climbing too. Maybe I can like walk back down a little bit and extend a hand or shout and tell them like, make sure you stop there for water and just start to continue putting the pieces of the journey together and just accept every part of it. And now there's going to be days when you're feeling strong and you know, you're going to do it and you're going to make it to wherever it is we're going or the days when, when you feel really defeated, know that that's just going to be 
temporary and tomorrow you'll wake up renewed and ready to keep on fighting. Oh gosh. Yes, yes, yes. To the journey and to the unknowns. And I think entrepreneurs choose the business of, I want to wake up and I'm not sure if we will make it because you wake up knowing that you'll do what it takes to make it. We just don't often talk enough about the reality that we live with a low level, always existing worry. I mean, I'm sure Steve Jobs, before he left Apple, still woke up and said, will people want this phone? Am I making the biggest mistake or the best mistake? And I think that's different than being an employee. It's different than being a cog in the wheel. It's different than showing up to be one of a thousand where you can really easily be ignored. And in order to do work that you will remember and that the world will remember takes guts and it takes those feelings. I love that. Thank you. (laughs) I wish there was like a placebo pill that entrepreneurs could take that would be like, take this pill in the morning, you'll be okay. And it's like vitamin D. (laughs) Just just know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hitting the pause button on this sweet episode to tell you about something that you might like. Our newsletter, we call it the Corkboard. It has all things juicy, whether you are looking to keep in touch between episodes or find out more about our coaching, development, or hot new jobs that we're working on. The link is in our show notes. Your inbox is sacred and your time is too. So now let's get back to the episode. You know, the mountain analogy, and we'll make sure the link to your podcast is below because it is the you know most inspiring conversations to have on the walk up the mountain. And before we hit record on this, Wes, we were riffing a little bit on our relationship with time. And you said something, and I had to write it down and pause. You said, nothing is that urgent in life right now. And if you were to ask anyone else who's working for a venture-backed and relatively new organization that's still building, that's still iterating, that's still creating in 2023, the vibe, at least in America, is the hustle culture is real. Everything is late. Everything is due now. Work, work, work. Grind, grind, grind. And you're really challenging that. You're really sitting with time and with your relationship with time and how that impacts your life. And so if you wouldn't mind, tell us about your relationship with time today and how you see that impacting future, Wes. Like, how do you consider how you spend your day impacting who you want to be, who you want to be around, the future that you see for Sage? Yeah, totally. It's I love thinking about time. I think it's the only thing we're not going to get any more of. It is finite and unknown and infinite all at the same time, you know? And I think that we can think about how much of it there has been or how much of it there will be, but we don't know. And so with that, it is this like incredible adventure. I really think about it in seasons. You know, we were talking at the beginning of me being almost 40, but, you know, I also don't have a wife no partner, no kid. And I find it so interesting because most of the people around me who are my same age don't live in the same world as me. They have very different life experiences. And so it challenges the way that I look at time because we could have been on this earth the same amount of time, but our experiences are entirely different. Our experiences are not related to the number of years 
but kind of what we do in the years, it just starts to challenge to me that like traditional view of time. And so then it's more, oh, okay, I'm in this particular season. And how long does that season last? Like, I'm not sure, but I do know there's something really good in that season. And if I won't find or see or experience or enjoy the good in that season, because I'm rushing, trying to hurry up and urgently make it to the next season, then I'm also got, not going to learn the thing that I was supposed to learn in that season. And I was talking with my therapist maybe 10 years ago or something, eight years ago. And, you know, and I was just telling her at this point, I like, I had my agency, I had had it for probably six years or something. I think like business was going well, but I was, was more miserable than I'd ever been in my life. And I had more things than I ever thought that I would have as this like kid from South Central LA, but I just, I wasn't happy. And it wasn't even just, I wasn't happy. Like I was dying and I was okay with it. It was like no problem because I didn't really want to be here. And when I was talking with my therapist, you know, we were talking about work and I was just like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess it's fine, but I don't have any joy or, you know, and she was like, this is a season and the season is for you to be working on you right now. And like, this isn't the time that like, it's all about building your business or career. Like this is a time to really work on building you. And I kind of heard it and I was like, uh-huh, like, yeah, I don't really, mm-hmm, great. You know, and then when I left that season, I felt so much of my career just like take off. And it was like, this thing happened and this thing happened and this thing happened. And I felt more confident in that area and this area. And, you know, and I look back and I was like, oh, she was right. It was a season, but it was a five and a half year season. And it was really, really long and it was brutal. And I didn't know if I was gonna make it out of that season. And I look back now and I'm like, oh, it was five and a half years. And it still was really long, but in it, it wasn't, I had a bad week or a bad month or even a bad year or a bad couple of years. Like when you're at five years straight and you're still in there, just like stuck and not feeling like you're moving. And at that point in the thick of it, I was going to therapy two to three hours a week and just trying to like work and unlock and like learn myself. And again, with no, I couldn't be urgent about getting out of it because I didn't even know what I was in. I didn't know like where the end was. And I just had to sit in the season. And, you know, Brene Brown talks about braving the wilderness. And I don't think she means it in this context at all. But I take that phrase, braving the wilderness. And I think of that five-year period, that five-year season as this unknown dark wilderness. And when I picture it, it's barren and lonely. And like, sometimes the moon is out, but normally there's clouds covering the moon and the trees don't have leaves on them. And there's just nothing there and it's scary and you can't see. And as your eyes start to adjust, you start to see the beauty in like the shadows. And you're like, what is that shape? Like, that's so cool. And if you can just settle in, and slow your heart rate down and let your eyes adjust, you'll really see that there's something beautiful in each of those seasons, even the darkest, most difficult, 
ones. And those are the seasons that I think allow you to appreciate a nice warm spring day with a cool breeze. And then it's also like when the cold front comes again, you know, okay, I'll be all right. I made it through the last season. There's something beautiful here and something beautiful to learn. So I try to take that approach into work. We're trying to build something really special at Sage. I don't think we're doing life-saving work. I do hope that someone says someday you saved my life in some way or that brand, the way that you guys did this or that, like that would be awesome to hear. But I think that what we're doing is really important, but we can't put a sense of urgency on it because we're going to miss it. We're not going to see the people that we're trying to affect if we get to this urgent checklist of everything is late and behind. And because like, it should be all about people. And if it's not, we're doing something very, very wrong. Oh, goodness. Time and urgency and seasons and dark seasons. And I, I was considering athletes that sit and look at other athletes on Strava. And it's like, just put Strava away and go for your own run. It doesn't matter. I think it's one thing to read business books and hear about people that have gone through tough times it's a different thing to go through your own dark season and then be able to continue to wake up and show up and know what that is. So I do hope one day you write a book or you have your own TV show because these are the moments that we get to really learn about what happens. And the fact that you would share that means a lot. I so appreciate it. I also would love to offer that. Likewise, I don't think the Corker Collective is saving lives. Yet I wake up in the morning and believe that if I can help one person land one job that will change that chapter of their life, then we're doing work that matters. And I would look to what you're doing and say, if you get to put right now a pair of shoes and who knows what else you will do, but a pair of shoes on one person that makes them feel like they can walk a little taller, run a little faster, be a part of the community that says, we see you. I think that is what we all need right now. And quite frankly, I do think that will save lives because mm. loneliness is mm. ahead of cigarette smoking when it comes to death tolls in America. Mm. And you are creating a brand that helps us not feel lonely. And that is really special. So thank you. Hot yeah. diggity. Hear it, receive it, love it. Thank you. Uh, well, I have two last questions before the clock ticks time. And the first one is, I know I'm not the only one that is in awe of who you are as an uncle to your <laughs> sweet little Cami. And that relationship that you have with her, what is your hope for her this season in life and for the future that hopefully she will get to live and to run into herself? Yeah, I love that question. It's like making me emotional to even think about it. It's almost like getting to talk to her one day and her getting to know what I feel for her right now at a point when she can't even understand it. But it, what I hope for her is I hope that she knows that she is so much more than enough having nothing to do with any of her accomplishments. And also to know that like there is so much love around her that like she could drown in it it's just mm. there's just like and it's so much love you know I always tell her I'm like Cameron do you know who uncle's favorite girl is and she's always like Cammy 
And, you know, I think now it's just this little fun thing for her. You know, I just always want to remind her how beautiful her hair is and how smart she is and how strong she is. You know, we do this thing where she'll start crying and and I'll ask her, I'm like, what's wrong? And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, I know, I don't know sometimes either, Cammy. Like sometimes we just need to cry because we just feel like we need to cry, huh? And she's like, uh-huh. And I'm like, should we do some breathing? And we'll do like deep breaths together. And I just want her to know that each of those emotions that she feels, it's okay. Like you're supposed to feel those. You don't have to run from them. You can enter right into them and feel them and like pause and sit down and look around and realize like, I have no idea why I'm sad today. That's okay. Like cry it out and then keep it pushing and like know that you're not alone and like you can call a friend and those things that you, you know, sometimes that we don't like about ourselves that we may even grow to hate about ourselves. I hope that she doesn't hate things about herself. I hope we can like flood her doubt Mm -hmm. with truth from a young age and remind her that the things that could become insecurities, that those are beautiful things, completely worthy of not only your own acceptance, but everybody else's acceptance too. And if people can't accept those things about you, that's a them thing. It's not a you thing. So yeah, I'm excited for her to be a kid and find the things that she loves and our parents did such a great job of allowing us to pursue our passions. And I hope that she gets to do it even sooner, even earlier, and even more freely. Yeah. Oh gosh. It sounds like your parents did a great job at loving you because to create two kids who know how to love, love -hmm. their lives, love how they spend their time, love the people in their lives. That is a really beautiful genetic gift to pass on. Love that girl with love. Yes, yes, yes. I love yes. it. Okay, we have to wrap. Our last question and our last question that I'm excited to ask you, Wes, is it's 2023. What are you most excited about this year in any area of your life? This is not only sage related. I just want to know, Wes Felix, what are you going to look back on December 31st and say, heck yeah, 2023, you were rad. It's super interesting because for whatever reason, this is the year that I've put the most time into like really thinking about the year and what I want to accomplish out of it and how I want to accomplish it. And, you know, it's really funny. I like my notes and I put this probably back in like September, October. And I was like, 2023 is going to be the year of the savage. Like, I just want to be unapologetically me. And I think I've never felt that I've never allowed myself to feel wronged by someone and be angry at them and feel like that was okay. I've never felt like the freedom to be able to say, here's what I'm going to accomplish. You don't have to like it, but this is what I'm doing. So like you can get behind me and walk with me or you can stay over there, but either way I'm going and like, I'm not going to be sad about whether or not you come with me. So I want to look back on this year and I want to be able to say, I had a plan and a vision and I was uncompromising about it. And that may make people upset. That may have people in their feelings. That's okay, but I'm going to go boldly and bravely and choose me this year. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh, my heart. 2023, 
may you choose Wes Felix because he's choosing you. (laughs) And may all things bold and brave and so true to you really wake you up every morning, Wes. I am so grateful for every minute with you, for the opportunity of learning, learning from your leadership as you build a brand about the things that really, really matter. And I know on behalf of the Corker Collective, it's an honor to get to put humans in front of you because it's a really special group that you're building at Sage. And what I know is that working at Sage will change someone's life and working at Sage will change how they view the world and show up in the world. And it's not just a job. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're cheering for Team Sage all the way. Thank you so much. And thank you for all of your help. Team Sage would not be Team Sage without you and your team and all that you do. And so just thank you for the first time we talked, just being able to pull humanity into work. And I think Mm -hmm. we spend so much time doing work at work, but very rarely do we really think about the human side of it and how important it is to put humans together because we need it. We thrive off of it. And it is what shapes us. It's the people in our life that shape us. We do an amazing job of placing people in other people's Mm. lives and organizations and making sure that they're the right people to like create change in this world and for us to build the world that we really hope to see for our young nieces, nephews, children, friends, children, and and all the rest. So you guys are doing such an incredible job. Thank you, Wes. Oh, hey, before you go, you know, listening to podcasts on this thing called the internet, it's a wild ride. And what would be so helpful on our wild journey is if you would be so kind to jump on and give us a review. Four, maybe even five stars. It really helps. Thanks for joining us.